Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by the elder statesman, the Blue Seat blog's father himself is back. Dave, finally, after a long break, uh, is on the show. Producer JL behind the mic, you'll be hearing from him as well uh, on this week's show. Uh, And we are very excited to talk about the fact that the Rangers snapped a four-game losing streak and have won their last two. Uh, so that's good news, as is the return, uh, and not the not coincidental return, by the way, of, of Capo Caco with him coming back into the lineup, the Rangers winning uh, a couple of games. We've got some fan questions as well. Uh, but Dave, welcome back. Good to hear your voice again after a few weeks off. I feel like you're the only guys that actually want to hear my voice at this point, so thank you. <laughs> yes, no doubt. JL, you have, any, uh, you have anything to say to Dave before we start here? Of course, JL has tons of shit to say to me. Shocker. Hold on. Let's let, let, hold on. Let's see what he's going to say. Let's see what he's going to say. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? I was going to. Okay. This is what I was going to say. Welcome, old man. Welcome back to the program. It's nice to have you back on here, old sir. The program. Oh, the program. Uh, you see, this would have been better had you been able to pull off a Grandpa Simpson reference. <laughs> All right. I am disappointed and I expect better. I know. You know what? It didn't it didn't occur to me, but now that I think about it, I should have done that. You're literally putting Simpsons references in our group chat. I know. know. I'm a big Simpsons guy. I know, David. Next time. Uh, Disappointing. That's like an old person show now, right? Like, do young people watch The Simpsons? I don't think so. No. I can't imagine young people watch The Simpsons. Mono means one and rail means rail. Means rail. There's your filler. Even I know that one, and that's not. I'm not a huge episode. I mean, I I like it, but yeah, not not as well versed. That episode, I was actually that had just come out. Oh God, I'm gonna fucking age myself. I went to (laughs) Quebec. I took French in middle school and high school, and I took French because in eighth grade we went to Quebec. So that episode came out when I went to Quebec, and I was watching it in French in Quebec. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen because Homer Simpson sounds like your picture, your typical, your stereotypical angry French guy. That's what Homer Simpson sounds like. And it's, yeah, I, I, now I'm going to go on a YouTube rabbit hole later tonight and find (laughs) it and send it to you guys. Sure. You I'm going to do that too. Um, all right. Well, good to have you both here, Dave, especially welcome back. Um, and look, I, like I said at the top, there's some good stuff to talk about, right? The Rangers have won their last two games. Uh, they got the second half of that home and home with the Caps, uh, won the home leg. Uh, close game, two to one, a close shave, if you will. But one of those types of games that I think they needed to win to kind of prove to themselves they could win it. And then a little bit more of a uh, well-rounded performance against Seattle, uh, on on uh, what was that Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden where Igor Shosturkin really shined in that game, especially in the second period as the Rangers lost their legs a little bit. Um, but I think where we want to start, Dave, is the return of Capo Caco. So uh, like I said, no coincidence, he comes back into the lineup, goes right back to the top line with Kreider and Zibanejad, and two things happen. Uh, one, first and foremost, the Rangers win a couple of games, but also... Kreider and Zabanajad look a lot more like a bona fide top line. So welcome back, Kako. What are your thoughts on that? So I actually wrote this in the Patreon post, so that's a good kind of content segue. The Rangers, when Kako Kako went down, went 11 and 11, including four losses in a row and six of eight losses. That's the most recent stretch before they won two these two in a row. That is not a coincidence. You can lose Heedle and survive. You can't lose Heedle and Kako or Heedle and Cooley or Heedle and Laugh or Laugh and Kako. You can't take two guys out of the top nine and expect the Rangers to look good. You just can't expect that. And the disrespect that Capo Kako has received because he – what shot 2% to start the season 
is insane. It's comparable to the hate Chris Kreider gets for being the best net fund presence in the game. Kako is the best defensive forward the Rangers have, and we're aware that he does not put up offense the way people had hoped, and it is what it is. But he is a significant net positive on the ice. It's very clear Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad missed him, and it's very clear that Blake Wheeler skates like he's in cement. And I feel bad for Wheeler because he's trying. He's not a top-line winger. Kapokaka was sorely missed, not just for bringing balance to that top line, but for bringing balance to the lineup. The Rangers have a second scoring, two, three scoring lines now, ever since they got Nick Benino off the third line, too, with these recent line changes. Now you got three lines that can score. You have an actual shutdown line. And, hey, we got balance, and the Rangers won two in a row. This is not a coincidence, people. Yeah, and I think, you know, what what's, strikes me about about you know what happens with Kreider and Zibanejad when they play with Kako is there's just more of an expectation that the third guy on the line will be where he's supposed to be and I think you saw that on multiple occasions in the Seattle game where um, they got through the neutral zone really effectively with a bunch of kind of like one touch passes off the wall of course you know it's easy to remember the one where they where they scored the goal um, where Kako got the fourth goal of the game. Uh, you know, and that was kind of a give and go between Kreider and Zibanejad. But those sorts of plays can't happen if you don't have trust in that third guy with you, right? And I think Valaket said something similar as well um, during his post game. He was breaking down the Gustafson goal and just talking about the trust between those three guys. Um, and, and like you said, Dave, I mean, Kako's, I think his defensive game continues to be underrated, right? Because, you know, even if you read, um, you know, if you read like a recap of a game by Arthur Staple or Vince Mercogliano or, 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 you know, an article about the Rangers by even Larry Brooks, right. They'll sort of, they'll, they'll mention Kako's defensive game, but they'll say, Oh, he's become a nice two-way player or he's become a solid defensive. Like that's understating it. He, he is like you said, Dave, I agree with you. I think he is their best defensive forward. He basically gives them what Jesper Faust used to give them. Now, again, is that disappointing? Yes. Second overall pick. Sure. But also, he's got more skill to his game. He's a much more physical player. He's a better player with the puck on his stick. So, you know, I think they missed him greatly. I just think he's one of those guys that has tons of hidden value. And he's also a playoff type of player, right? It's just that style of game plays up really, really significantly in the playoffs. So I couldn't agree more. Glad to have him back. Um, JL would yep. love to get your... Oh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Yeah. So the, I am so happy you brought up Jesper Foss because there are... A ton of people that were, when Jesper Foss was still with the Rangers and playing on the second line, they're like, you need a guy like Jesper Foss in the top six to do all the dirty work. And then they say that Capococco is useless because he has two goals to start, two or three goals to start the season or something like that. Like, do you not hear yourselves when you said Jesper Foss was amazing, but Capococco is terrible? They're the same fucking player. Well, and I think the hope, right, is that Kako will score more than Jesper Foss and that he will become, you know, especially, look, he's still a young player. I know this is year five for him, and it feels like you're waiting forever for this thing to happen. But, you know, eventually, and we're not hoping for this day, but the current core will age out, and Kako and Lafreniere, who's been lights out this year, will get more power play time. The points will come, you know, in that regard, and, you know, they'll take over as core members of the team. Look, the other sort of unintended consequence of Kako not being uh, a score sheet stuffer is that he keeps his contract number down, which helps the Rangers right now. So, um, you know, not that I want that to to persist forever. I'd like to see him score 30 goals at some point, 35 goals at some point in his career. But um, for what he just provides so much value now. And, you know, look, hopefully that line does score more because, you know, Laviolette even said, you know, he was aware, and and this is why I think we all really enjoy having Peter Laviolette as the coach of this team. He knows the Criders advantage at Kako line was um, one of the best defensive lines in hockey. He knows that they were on the positive side of the ledger in terms of shots and scoring chances and even goals for and against, but there just wasn't enough consistent 5v5 production, so he felt he needed to change it up. And I don't think that that's uh, an indefensible move by a coach looking for a little bit more scoring, especially early in the year. Um, hopefully the goals come in the second half of the year for sure. Uh, JL, I was going to get to you before any, any quick thoughts on Kako from you. So 
outside of being stuck on a train for two hours and basically missing the first two periods of the Kraken Ranger game, I did get a chance to evaluate Kako again, skating around the ice, and he did look very good. Um, Jesper Foss is the perfect comparison for that. And you can just tell the way Kreider and Zibanejad look. They look way more engaged. The play style seems to fit them more in terms of just how Kako goes about being on the ice. I love the, like I said, I love the Jesper Foss comparison because it's, it's, you know, it really reminds me of when Faust and Zibanejad, not Faust, Faust and Panarin um, and Strom were on a line together. And, you know, they kind of had that same sort of chemistry where, you know, they were just able to hold the puck in their own zone and just kind of dominate. So it's nice to have him back. I don't like the fact that people are like, I guess the reason why people are kind of complaining about Kako is because, you know, when you see somebody put up, you know, as a number two draft pick, you automatically think, oh, well, you know, he's got to score a million goals. So, you oh, know, enough with the number two pick. It's been no, five years. But no, I know not but you, I, not you. No, I know. It's just it's it's ridiculous. It's it's <sighs> it's annoying because then, you know, not every player is going to kind of pan out the same. After a certain point, you know, if it's not if they're not a generational talent, and and this is no knock on Kako or even Lafreniere in that aspect, but those guys are not like a McDavid. Those guys are not like a um, like a Matthews. Those guys they're not generational, like or even like a Bedard. You know, they're still very skilled, very competent hockey players that, regardless of whether they score fifty in on one season or not, still are competent to play hockey and Lafreniere has shown that this year. And now Kako is beginning to show it again. He just needs to shoot a little more. When he shoots more, he does what he did the other night and he scores. So I ultimately, you know, it's good to see him back. It's really nice to see him and not Blake Wheeler. And, you know, I just, I like Blake Wheeler, just not on the top line. So, so yeah. yeah, And Blake Wheeler will, sorry, Blake Wheeler's game is going to, he scored two goals two nights. You're listening to Thursday. He scored two goals two nights ago on the third line because he's not a top line player. And now he's going to look great. Right. There you go. Early in the year again. And, and I remember us talking about this on the third or fourth or whatever it was show of the year. Once the Rangers had about eight, eight or so games under their belt, the way the lineup was constructed was, was pretty much perfect with, you know, again, it was this top line Kreider's advantage at Kako. Uh, Heedle was obviously centering uh, the the Panarin Lafreniere combination, but the third line was Cooley, Trocheck, and Wheeler. And again, yes, p- very kind of a similar scenario for different reasons, right? People were, were endlessly complaining about Blake Wheeler, and it was like, guys, like that line was actually doing really well. Again, they were above fifty percent in terms of expected goals and 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 sh- and and you know shot shot attempts and stuff like that. So that's really all you want from a third line. And then you know, the way Trocek was trending or is trending, he probably would have helped that line score. You know, Cooley right. got a goal in the second game of the year against uh, against Columbus. So, you know, look, I think that's what you're looking for. And, and you know, look, with the injuries and, and obviously the uncertain stat of Heedle, you know, there's certainly a move to potentially to be made to bolster the bottom six, bolster the third line specifically, so that it can be a consistent scoring threat. Because, look, I, I like Johnny Brodzinski. Is he a long-term option as an NHL or a, as a third-line center? Probably not. Again, we've talked about this. He's more of a fill-in guy. You know, you can trust him to play 15, 20 games, but you don't want him playing 70 games plus playoffs, which is what he's on track to do right now. Um, no, look, I, I'm. I think obviously though, with Kako coming back, very positive signs all around. I think the team played a much better uh, brand of hockey the last two games. Um, and the other headline from the Kraken win, of course, was the play of Igor Shesterkin, who, um, you know, he was good in the Caps game as well, the win, the two to one win. Um, but he didn't have to do that much in terms of hard work. The Caps aren't a very good offensive team. Uh, and, and he didn't face too many, you know, crazy high danger chances. The Kraken did get quite a few good looks, especially in the second period and Igor shut him down. So that was a good, um, that was certainly nice to see, um, Anything else from their game, uh, Dave, in your eyes that that has turned a corner here? Or is this just a, a simple case of finally they had some shots go in and they got some saves from the goalie? I am going to be very honest and call myself out. It is difficult for me to watch full games because this is seven o'clock is bedtime for 
two kids under three years old. Oh, so yeah. we're not really done until eight. So it's tough for me to really watch first periods a lot. Um, I did notice in the third period against Seattle, the Rangers were much more fundamentally sound, especially in the neutral zone. Seattle couldn't get anything going. And the one thing Seattle does do is drive offense. They get a lot of speed through the neutral zone and they get a lot of shots and they, the Rangers smothered them and Seattle couldn't get anything. They couldn't get zone entries in the third period. That's no, that the a, kind of play yeah. that you want from this team. Well, I think I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because that was a very stark uh, turnaround from the second period where it was kind of a free skate through the neutral zone. Um, and Seattle, who again is more of a rush team, actually also had plenty of going in, in the Rangers, you know, in the zone, in, off of in terms of four check and in zone offense, because there was just they had no problem getting set up. Um, I, I, again, this is, I just point immediately to Laviolette. He, you know, he certainly got those guys in the locker room between periods and reminded them, okay, we have a multiple goal lead, right? We, we, we leaned on our skill here to get a couple of goals, even though we didn't have a very good period. Now it's time to lock it down. You know, let's not, let's not put this all on Igor who made 16 saves in the second period. And there, I agree their neutral zone, you know, four check was, was outstanding. That, that was kind of a solid return to the one, three, one that we saw earlier in the year where, it was like you said, kind of impossible for Seattle to get through the neutral zone to begin with. The only way that they generated any offense was when they got that late power play. Um, and if, if you stay out of the box, you probably, you know, end up with a, with a four, one or a five, one win instead of five, two. But um, yeah, I mean, no, I, I agree. That's all that that's all encouraging. And now, you know, look, the Rangers have a, a pretty tough road trip ahead. They've been good on the road. I'm good on the road for a few seasons. Now, this is not anything that phases this team, but it's West Coast hockey time. It's it's time for late night Sam and Joe uh, on MSG. Uh, they start in Vegas uh, on Thursday, and then I believe it's a Saturday Sunday back to back in LA and Anaheim, and then Tuesday in San Jose. So, um, JL, just give me your thoughts. What would make this a successful trip? What record are you looking for out of these four games? Three and one or four and out. I think. Uh if they can do what they did earlier in the season and probably sweep the road trip, I think that would be ideal. Um, you know, because now that the standings have kind of, you know, narrowed a little bit in terms of, you know, just points wise, it'd be nice to kind of get a little bit more of a cushion, you know, in terms of the standings. Um, <clears throat> I'm not too concerned about them having a bad uh, West coast stand. Uh, obviously Vegas is good. LA is good. San Jose is, eh, and Anaheim is, eh. So worst case scenario, they go two and two, but, yeah. uh, I, I think they actually, uh, they probably go three and one. Uh, I think they probably pull one out against the uh, Vegas golden Knights and then beat, uh, San Jose and Anaheim and probably lose against the Kings. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say I want them to lose, but I just feel like out of all the games that they could end up losing, it's going to be against the Kings because the Kings are, you know, they're a heckin' good team. So, you know, that's probably the one I think they would lose the most. I'm not convinced on Anaheim, San Jose, San Jose, obviously, you know. So uh, I want to say three and one, worst case scenario, two and two, and uh, just hopefully they can probably find some way to separate a little bit from the Metro. Yeah, Vegas also is banged up. They said during the broadcast last night that, and I, I didn't realize this, Jack Eichel just went on IR. Um, it's kind of interesting, too, what happened where, you know, all these teams, there's been all these long winning streaks going on with Edmonton and Seattle and Florida. Um, all of the other teams that that were kind of at the top of the league previously, the Rangers, the Kings, the Golden Knights, Boston's leveled off. Those teams kind of have leveled off or, or worse. I mean, I think, I think Vegas... I think I saw they were like two, six and two in their last 10. Um, mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with you, JL. I think that's a game the Rangers can potentially get. And then, yeah, you, you'd like to, you'd like to obviously sweep the back to back in, in California, but we're in, in Southern California, I should say with LA and Anaheim, Anaheim's obviously the weaker team and you got to take care of business against San Jose, who is a, you know, they, I think they've had two losing streaks of 10 or more games this, this season. So um, they had that little spurt in the middle there where they kind of turned their game around and, you know, were they were very competitive against the Rangers. They beat the Devils. 
you know, they were kind of playing 500 hockey and people were talking about David Quinn for the Jack Adams. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Uh, Rangers world would disintegrate if Quinn oh, ever man. got Jack Adams consideration. I mean, oh, they were God. like fives. They were like five, six and one. And people were like, Oh, the sharks are figuring it out. Um, no, like we know they're a bad team. <laughs> yeah, we know they're right. rebuilding. Um, and you know, uh, we're probably talking about them more in terms of, uh, potential trades down the road, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, I do think it's an important stretch of games here. And, and, and the other thing that's looming is the bye week and the all-star break. There's only a few weeks to that. So you want to finish strong going into that, you know, you'd like to, to expand the lead in the Metro, but, uh, you know, something tells me it's going to be a tight race. You know, Carolina seems to be Carolina again. And the Flyers are very surprising too. The Flyers are in it. And, you know, the Devils, who who we thought would be that third team, you know, in the mix with the Rangers in Carolina, they're they're on the outside looking in currently. So well, very, the Devils have had more injuries than the Rangers right now. Yes, they have. No, that's true. And I'm not, you know, I think we have to be fair to uh to the team that we, you know, tend to dislike the most around here. Uh they Do have had know? a ton of injuries. Do oh, we? Fuck that Maybe team. we don't they wouldn't be fair to us. Well, no, you know, it's funny. You guys were talking earlier about the Capo Caco discourse. And he, frankly, the reason the way the reason it is the way it is, is because Jack Hughes was picked before him. So you've got a lot of Ranger fans who are bitter about that. And you've got a lot of Devils fans who are constantly ragging on Ranger fans about it. So I think that drives that, you know, ridiculous discourse more than anything else, of course. But that doesn't make any sense. Like they had the number one overall. The Rangers could do nothing about what the Devils did. Now, if the no. Rangers had the top pick and took Kako and the Devils had the second pick and got Hughes, then yes, there's a legitimate and honest, right. a legitimate argument there. And the Devil and Devils fans would have every right to say the shit that they're saying now. But they had the first overall pick. The Rangers could do absolutely fucking nothing. This whole Hughes versus Kako thing because the Devils got Hughes is so fucking stupid. Sorry, I'm in a fucking mood nope. today. Nope. No, you're, no, you're right. No, you're absolutely right, though, because you know, I mean. It, it's not like they could change their position in the draft, you know, unless they traded for it. Obviously the devils are not going to trade with the Rangers, you know, swap picks. So next thing you can do is basically just kind of pick next player available. You know, Rangers are, they weren't going to go and get a pick that wasn't consensus overall number two, you know, and, and, and to be fair, you know, Kako hasn't really been that bad of a player for the Rangers. You know, he hasn't done what Jack Hughes has done. That's a completely different story. But at the same token, though, you know, you, you can't completely discredit some of the things that Kako has brought or has, you know, is currently bringing to the team. They're two completely different players, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Kako had those flashy stuff during the tournament. Yeah. But then again, almost everybody does. That's not to discredit anyone in the tournament or whatever. But, uh, you know, we've seen Kako have some flashes of what he can do. And he still has given this team a lot over the last couple of seasons. Heck, you could even make the argument that Kako's probably a better playoff player than Jack Hughes. So what well, I was going to say right now too, they are both very injury prone. They've both had multiple long absences, which, you know, and Hughes is obviously a smaller player, but he, this is now his second extended absence this season. You know, Kako has had some, some issues of his own. Um, you know, they're not, um, you know, they're not like the types of injuries that you really get worried about from like a long-term perspective because they have been kind of contact related, right? That's not like he's pulling muscles and, and like blowing out knees on his own. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, look, you'd like for him to play a full 82 games. I'd like to see him produce at a higher level. And um, he needs, he needs run on the top line for an entire season to do that. And of course the power play time is a huge thing, but you know, look, you're not messing with the Rangers second unit. It just, it's not, oh, excuse me, first unit. It's not, um, it's not up for discussion. Uh, even, even though they're struggling a little bit right now and people are even, I've seen people floating stuff like, ah, maybe they should try laugh on the first unit. I'm like, you know, people, it's just, it's not going to happen. This is, no. it's that, you know, you can't because they're two for 17 and they've had a, they've had a mildly below average stretch here. You can't blow up a power play that has been one of the most efficient in the NHL for multiple seasons and is one of the reasons that your team is a contender, right? We know that the Rangers are average five on five. That's fine. They make up for it with great goaltending and a great power play. You're, you can't change the plan there. So, um, all right guys, uh, any other thoughts on the current state of the team before we get to our questions? 
Nope, I think that pretty much covers yeah. it. All right. No, what do we got? I'm good. All right. So questions. All right. I've got them pulled up here. We've got a couple. So the first comes from our old pal, Brandon, uh, at BRCohen04. And he asks, of course, if you already know where this is going to go, uh, you can undo the Barclay Goodrow contract, but it means the Rangers lose in the first round in 2022 and 2023. I mean, they already did lose in the 2022 playoffs so no playoff experience for this team uh you do it and then he asks another question you can undo the good row contract but it means you have to sit with dancing larry every time you go to a range for the rest of good row's contract do you do it hold on so i want a caveat on the on the second one the rest of Goodrow's contract with the Rangers or the rest of Goodrow's contract, so. period? Because Goodrow's getting traded this offseason or bought out or something. I would assume so. I would assume it's the rest of Goodrow's contract with the Rangers. If he gets bought out, then I guess it doesn't – I guess it doesn't uh, – yeah. yeah. All right, so I don't do the first one where the Rangers don't get the playoff experience. I think, in, I think the – run they made in 2022 followed by the extreme disappointment in 2023 sets them up well for this run and i still think that they're gonna win the stanley cup this year um oh i couldn't agree more as a as for sitting with dancing larry um never met the dude don't know much about him Goodrow's only going to be a ranger for probably this season maybe half of next season I have two kids under three years old. I don't go to games that much right now. The next game I go to is going to be when I take my two-and-a-half-year-old to a game at some point when she's older. So, good will be gone by then. I'm good. Either one works. Um, so, I love what you said about, um, first of all, just how those runs, you know, the previous two playoff runs set them up for this year because – Look, it, it is what it is, right? It's a, it, it, it's how it works in the NHL. You kind of have to go through the pain and the heartbreak. The players need to go through it together, you know, in order to uh, reach the ultimate goal. They're just, I can't think of the last lightning in a bottle scenario where a team actually won the cup. Now, look, Florida kind of came out of nowhere and made a final last year, but they ultimately fell short. They also made the playoffs the year before. It's not like that was their first, you know, playoff birth in years. Um, so I think that that's great. Look, let, let's just talk about Goodrow a little bit because people look. Everyone hated the contract when it when it was first signed, and I understand that. What's ironic about that is through his first two seasons here, at times I'm not saying through all hundred whatever games he played, but at times Barkley Goodrow played to the value of, of a three point six million dollar player. Now, look, is some of that juiced by the fact that he was playing with some top line or, or second line minutes and scoring a little bit more than usual? Sure. But uh, look, the athletic, which does some great, obviously, you know, uh, great in-depth work. I remember this vividly. I think this was last year they did a, a post about, uh, you know, where they just ranked every player. They kind of have that player tiers project and they go division by division. They, they rank every single player and they give you a little bit of a blurb about them. They give you some analytics, and one of the, the the data points they give you is contract value, and uh, you know the the cap hit versus the value provided, basically. And I remember clicking on Barkley Goodrow, and he was playing to the value, or maybe like a hundred thousand dollars, like a point one you know million above uh, his cap hit in terms of value, because his metrics were fine. He was scoring enough. You know, he's a penalty killer, all that stuff. So. You know, it's not like he has been a total black hole for three seasons now. Has he been bad this season? Absolutely. And I think that uh, one of the things that one of the there's two there's multiple reasons for that. I think one, he's probably not a great fit in the system for whatever reason. And I think that Laviolette definitely has a view on him that that is much different from Gerard Gallant and and even John Cooper, the way John Cooper viewed him. Uh, I think he views him as a purely defensive winger. I don't think he wants him playing center in an ideal world. Um, he certainly has not even considered trying him above the above the third line, right? So much more limited role and a much more limited view from the coach. Um, the other thing, though, is that the guy had his face broken by a puck and hasn't been able to eat solid food in almost a month's time now. So 
that's going to um that's going to affect you like he's not going to be as strong or 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 as energetic as he would be if he were like eating normal meals like a normal human being so i think his dip in performance lately has been because of that um look i i don't want to come across as like i'm not defending barkley goodrow here because i know that they need to find a way to upgrade there or in the bottom six. And he's one of the players in the bottom six that's expendable. But I think when people talk, they, people talk about this contract, like it's the, like it's the worst contract ever. And I just, I've never thought it was, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Hmm. Let's see. How would I answer this question? Um, uh, do I undo the Barclay Goodrow contract? No, I don't. Because uh, as much as I know you don't like him, Brandon, and granted he's not played very well this year, akin to a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, Rob, and obviously he is on a bit of a decline, you know, but that's natural for players like him who have gone through a lot of what he's gone through in terms of his play style. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, come on. He was arguably one of our better players during the 22 run. You know, it, it it's not like he's some kind of, you know, at the time he was useless. I mean, you know, you saw how the team basically unraveled when they didn't have him in the lineup in that Penguin series. And even when he was playing on one ankle, he was still one of our better players in the playoffs. Um, same thing with last season. He was still one of the better players that they had last season. Obviously, now that he's a little bit older and he's gone through a really crazy injury where, you know, basically, like it said, he lost part of his jaw. You know, that's that's pretty significant. You know, uh, you know, it, it's I would I, I would keep it. You know, I wouldn't change it now. Obviously, they might trade him during the offseason or, you know, you know, worst case scenario, they buy him out. But at the end of the day. You know, he was still the, a really good contributor, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And also, um, you can undo the Goodrow contract, but it means you have to sit with Dancing Larry every time you go to a Rangers game for the rest of Goodrow's contract. I've sat next to Dancing Larry before. He's not <laughs> as annoying as you think he is. I mean, granted, a lot of people don't like the guy, and he can get a little bit much. But, I mean, what makes him different than any other crazed Ranger fan from Long Island out there? You know, I mean, it's Great point. Or, or, or like any any fan from like New Jersey or any fan from like Manhattan. You know, he's just as loud and, and, and you know, crazy as the rest of us. And he gets paid to go and dance. So uh, if I hey, look, I'd keep the Goodwill contract and I would sit with Dancing Larry. So there you go. There's that. So it's <laughs> so. nice. All right. Next question comes from Immortal Lou 30. And. This one is a pretty uh, – actually, it's an interesting question because I've never actually thought of this before. Which name do you prefer for the second line? French bread pizza or BLT, bread lap trocheck? Uh, well, if those are the two choices, uh, I'll go I'll go BLT. The playoff BLT is, is, is better for me than French bread pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like – I don't – the naming lines thing, I get it. And and look, I, I'll say this: this line has gotten to a point where it probably deserves a name because it's been long, it's been together long enough, and they're playing well enough. But it just feels like, obviously, you know, this used to be an organic thing, and now it's like you've got literally the beat writers like being like, "Hey, what should we call this line?" It's just very bizarre. Like I don't know. Um, maybe I, this probably makes me sound like a miserable, crotchety old man, and I apologize for that. But like. We don't have to name every line. Like one they can just be us. One they can just be us. a line, a great line. Like the gag, like nothing's. And this is the thing too. Like, and I was not even alive during the time, right? But I obviously have much respect for my elders and the history of the team. And neither nothing's was I, JL. Nothing's going to beat the gag line. Nothing's going to beat. Nothing's going to beat that. Nothing's going to beat that. That's the that. best name for a game for a for a line in hockey ever. And I know that. You know, I know there was the crash line in Detroit and I know there was the Legion of Doom in Philly and there, there were some cool names, no doubt. But um, and by the way, all those were, you know, made up before people got on Twitter and voted about it. And again, I'm sorry, Lou, like I, I totally get it. And we're just having fun here, but I'm not a big like name the line guy. So you're probably asking the wrong person, at least from my perspective. <laughs> so do you not like the fly line? <laughs> <laughs> 
Flurry Lindros York. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Sure, it was good. Again, too, I just find it weird. Like, how did that name come up? Right. So that there was no. They were Twitter flying. They were flying up and down well, the ice. They were the first parts of their last name. So oh, well, yeah, well, obviously, yeah. But, but right, but somebody coined it. Was it in the newspaper? Were fans like bringing signs? This is what I'm saying. Like that when it's organic. It, it it's much that's it's true. much more endearing, and th- this just this na- and and that's the thing, right? Like there is no, it can happen, right? I'm not saying that like nothing organic happens now because of social media. That's not the case, but there's nothing organic about these names. People are like, people are brainstorming like they're at some ad agency coming up with a Super Bowl commercial. Like it just it it does not. I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me. I'm sorry. And I, again, I'm like not trying to be a crotchety old man downer here, but like. I don't, the fly line was organic. The Legion of Doom was organic. Like you know, kid line was this, organic. This, this people are people are workshopping the name. It's weird. Yeah, the kid line was actually organic, believe it or not. Yes, nobody had the kid a line was organic, that. That and I hate that. No, I didn't hate the name. I hated the idea of it. in the end, but yes, it was organic. I you know when it comes to naming lines, I'm not, I'm not too against it. I I like it, but it has to like like Dave said, it has to be natural. So if I had to pick. Uh, I, I would probably go BLT, but I mean, the, when you name a line, you don't really use their nickname. You kind of, you kind of use, you know, their names or a version of their names. I'm not really a big fan of using nicknames in the line. I get what you're trying to do there, Lou, which I like. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you got the, um, you got the, the cash line. I mean, that doesn't really play much on their names. I think the C stands for captain or something like that. Those senators, uh, Spezza, Heatley, and Alfredson, that was pretty good. Um, you know, and then you got the gag line. Uh, the kid line I, I liked because, like you said, it was natural. But then the problem with that was it began to become too overused. And then mm-hmm. it started getting old when uh, they weren't doing anything. <laughs> with each other like yeah. in terms of like generating offense so it would have been cool if they had kept it going it would have been like yeah man the kid lines going around and you know they're they're kidding it up and killing kidding it up the nets and, you know i'm just trying to be hip you know <laughs> so trying to be to- hip oh, good god you sound older than me <laughs> i don't think anyone says hip anymore either nobody oh, says hip nobody Oh, thank you. you know Dave. Who says, my mom. That's who says <laughs> she's 70. <laughs> well, I say it. I also say things like that's so fat and rad. So one um, of us. One <laughs> of us. But yeah. Uh if I had to pick, it'd be BLT. I you know, it's like I'm in the middle, I guess. I like it, but then it just kind of doesn't really make an effect on me. So yeah, that's kind of really my best non-answer as possible so i have a far more lenient stance on line names let people have fun i don't really care uh i'm not going to refer to the lines in in particular this one as either french bread pizza or blt i'm not going to do it mostly because i i don't i'm just not i'm sorry but I absolutely fucking hate mayo. So BLTs <laughs> are horrible. Objectively terrible because of the mayo. And also, bacon cannot carry a sandwich. Bacon is an amazing complement to a sandwich. But if you're sitting there with two pieces of bread, bacon, lettuce, and tomato, I'm going to think you're a serial killer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm more of a club, like, you know, you put bacon, lettuce, and tomato on like a turkey sandwich, and then turkey, you really thank gas. you. Right. Like yes. a Long Island diner, turkey club, turkey, yes. triple decker, turkey club. That is the ideal Long Island diner sandwich minus the mayo because mayo sucks. So I'm going right. French bread pizza because I feel like you can make that into something interesting. Like, I feel like that might taste good. But BLTs are objectively terrible because bacon doesn't carry a sandwich and mayo sucks. And also lettuce on a sandwich is weird to me, but whatever. It, it's not, but you want to know what it you is. sounded like? You, you want to know what you sounded like there, Dave? 
My Homer is not a communist. He may be a liar, a pig, an idiot, a communist, but he is not a porn star. <laughs> That's what you sound like, Dave. So I'm okay with it. Having grown up on The Simpsons and when DVDs were still a thing, I bought every single season of The Simpsons that came out until they basically stopped doing it. That's a shame. I know. It is. I still have them, too. Well, good. That'll 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 be kind of like the Trevor Tro the treasure trove of history. But anyways, did you just try to say treasure trocheck? No, no, I did not. No, honestly, honest to goodness, did not. It was just a slip of the tongue. <laughs> treasure trocheck. That might be a good thing to use down the line if he's like you know, our mining for gold. Anyways, okay. <laughs> wow, wow. Right. Rob's Fine. just sitting there like, what the hell is wrong with the two of these guys? I mean, he this he is... does like. I mean, did, did you see his outfit going into the game on Tuesday night? It was like he looked like he was auditioning to be an extra in like casino it was absurd he, it was he like could pull this, it off though of course he, he could. could i think i mean he fully embraces his uh his italian heritage that's for sure but you um, know and real and real quick on trocheck because i just i just had a thought so he's from upper st Clair in pittsburgh where that's basically kind of like the the nicer area like the really like uh bougie part of pittsburgh and mm -hmm. they're very like heavy italian so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he if a lot of his family members or people that he knew were kind of like very into the similar fashion that he is so probably that makes that's sense. probably the case yeah it's it's yeah. funny because he's like super italian but like trocek is obviously not an italian last name but obviously that's his his mom's side of the family mm -hmm. um are there any other questions? Yes, we have one more. This comes from Kevin at Spozo211. And he writes, as currently constructed, who in the East would be the Rangers in a seven-game series? Added 3C. Heedle returning would count. And how much does that change? Okay. So I am going to assume we mean fully healthy. Yes, probably. And... I'm going to take that phrasing as not will beat them, but could beat them. Right. That's why the that's devils, how I take it too. The Devils, as currently constructed, healthy, can beat the Rangers, even with whatever goalie that they're trying to put in net right now. The Devils can. The Hurricanes can. And this is just in the East. I don't think any team, uh, maybe Dallas can, but that doesn't count yet. That's it. And the Rangers most likely only have to play one of them. Um, I will. That's true. Um, and I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like, you know, as much as I want them to finish first, man, would it kind of just be ideal to play the Flyer? And look, the Flyers are tough. It's Tortorella. I don't think it would be an easy series, quote unquote, but that's a young team with very little playoff experience. You know, and if you finish they're they're currently in third. I'm not saying they'll stay in third, but, you know, if the playoffs were to start today, Carolina would play Philly. I don't know. I, maybe I have to maybe I have to reconsider that. But uh, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent. Um, Dave, I agree with you. I'll add one more team to the mix, though. I do think Florida could beat them. Oh, um, yeah. I keep forgetting about Florida because. Yeah. They're, I don't know. Maybe it's because they spend way too much time being the Florida Panthers over the last 30 years that I forget that they're a good team. <laughs> yeah, they're, exactly. They're the Florida Panthers. Like, well, why would you think of them? But no, I, they are a huge pain in the ass to play against. Like, obviously yes. they have the skill, but they just have so many guys that you're like, oh, this player is so yeah. annoying. Like Reinhardt and Verhage is just like, a, it's just, and they are, they, I mean, they're, look, they're relentless and credit to them. The way, the way they play in addition to the skill they have, uh, makes them a really tough out, which we saw last year. I mean, obviously, Kachuk is, has not had a great year scoring-wise, but he's still definitely going to be a factor in a playoff series. And they have, look, Bobrovsky is is hit or miss, but when he's on, he can steal uh, multiple series, very similar to you know any other uh, elite goalie. So um, I think they would be um, an incredibly tough matchup for the Rangers. Um, I agree on Caroline and the Devils just because you know you're in for a war. You're probably in for seven games and anything can happen. I agree. I think any other team, the way the Rangers are playing, the the, the sort of business-like approach they've had all year, you know, you can tell they're a team on a mission. Look, I'm going to say it now. It's January. Um, 
and and maybe it's just a little bit overconfidence, a little bit of overconfidence after such a good start. I'm expecting at least one or two short series if they go on a run here. Like the, if they draw a Philly, right, or uh, an Islanders or or a team out of the Atlantic, if if one of those teams finishes in the in the bottom wild card spot, you know whether it's I don't know Detroit or Tampa, even right, a depleted Tampa, like the Rangers better go out and beat that team in five games. You know, do not play with your food this year. Do not get into a seven game series like the 2014 team did against a very inferior Philadelphia Flyers team that year, like beat a team in four or five, set yourself up for success. Don't put yourself through a needless seven game series and, 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 you know, make yourself go turn around and play your second round game one in 48 hours. It kills them every time it's killed them for, you know, going on 15 years now, their inability to close out series. So um, sorry, that's a little bit of a rant on, on that, but just thinking about how this lines up, I would, I would agree that, that there's very few teams that, you know, if the Rangers are on their game and fully healthy can really beat them in seven games. I agree. Carolina devils, Florida. I totally forgot about the Panthers. I got to I'll own that one. But even the Leafs, like the Leafs are, the Leafs are a team. They can't beat the Rangers in seven. No way. Not with that, but not with their roster balance. No, no. And no goalie, Martin Jones. I also, I also really don't think the devils, really could like even when they're healthy i i mean outside of what jack hughes and maybe miko he sure just just from the just from the way that i've seen them because i i do watch a lot of new jersey devils games you know they're on msg it's right there it's hockey something's different with them this year they're not as dynamic in terms of moving the puck around yeah they're still very good you know they're still a very good team still very potent but i i think with the way that the rangers play and the way that they adjust i i think that if they were to match up with the devils somehow i think it would be a really good series and i i think the rangers could beat them i i don't i just don't see it maybe i'm wrong I mean, this is why i'm not a, a scout or a gm or anything like that but yeah. um yeah, I, I, I think just, you're I you're totally right jay i mean they have not yeah. been as good this year the devils and no. we talked about yeah. it a little bit with you know brunette leaving uh, we know Lindy Ruff is, you know, not a great coach. They they have tons of talent, but they can't keep the puck out of the net. And I think that starts to play with your confidence as an offensive team, right? You're not, you're not going to take as many chances. You're not going to be as aggressive on the rush um, if your goalie can't stop the puck. So right. um, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I think in terms of the goalie, they, they're, it's basically the same two guys, you know, they're still running Vanacek. They're still running Akira Schmidt and, you know, if they if they somehow manage to match up again and they don't trade for a goaltender from here until the trade deadline, um, I can see Carolina doing it. I can see the Panthers doing it. The Panthers is a good point because uh, during their game uh, at the end of last year, if there's they, they were doing the same thing the Capitals were doing in terms of being very aggressive on the power play or the Ranger power play, the, the other team was. So Florida was very aggressive on the Rangers uh, on their penalty kill, and they weren't really the Rangers weren't really able to settle in. Yeah, so I see Washington doing the same thing, but Washington's like way more inferior. But they they employ a similar tactic. So um, what and what I you know Carolina Florida. Dallas, Vegas, maybe Boston. Uh, those teams I really see beating the Rangers. I don't see the Devils beating the Rangers because, you know, I I personally think the reason why the Rangers lost that series was because of the lack of instruction by Gerard Gallant. You know, granted the team also just didn't show up, but I think just with a little kick in the rear end, I think, you know, with a guy like LaViolette, they'll be okay. So yeah, I agree with most of that stuff. And instead of the devils, I, I just, I'm not very high on them this year. And, and I want to be clear. They can, doesn't mean they will. I want to be very right. clear to people. No, I don't even might, think they will. They're probably going to run with this and be like, Oh, they, they said that the devils will beat them. No, we're not saying that they can. They're certainly capable of it. So are the Carolina Panthers or the Flo- Carolina Panthers. Holy shit. I need to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Carolina Hurricanes and Florida Panthers. They can. They're fully capable of it, especially, I want to say the Panthers. I forgot. Oh, Jesus. Bobrovsky's having a good season. Um, Mm -hmm. But I still think the Rangers are the best team in the NHL, and very few, if any, teams will beat them in a seven-game series. 
but the Rangers, like Rob said, have to actually close out a series in five or six. Yeah, sweep no kidding. Or something. Mm-hmm. If the Rangers yeah. get the Flyers, they have to sweep them or win in five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt. And and that's what I'm looking at, right? You have a team trending towards the number one seed, potentially the number one overall seed in the conference, potentially in, in you know, obviously the president's trophy is still there to be won as well. You know, you're going to probably have home ice. You're going to, in theory, at least face an inferior opponent in round one. You know, after that, look, with the divisional format and all that, it's a gauntlet and you're going to have to earn it. But but you need a short series. You got to figure out. You, you look, even if that is when you really ask Igor to stand on his head and he's got to have a couple of 40 save performances, whatever it takes. But you can't go to seven games against some of these teams. So, um, no, great question by by Kevin. You know, he always contributes. uh when we when we call it for questions, so thanks for that. Um, that's it, JL. Nothing else. Yep, that's it. Awesome, um, guys. Any final thoughts as we head into a week plus of West Coast hockey? I hope you all enjoy those West Coast games. I will be asleep for most of puck drop. For most of those games, getting getting to puck drop, I will be asleep. Um, I just can't do it. I will be yeah, wide enjoy. awake. Oh, I'll be I'll be up. I'll be I'm a sicko. I'll stay up. Yeah, me too. The, the, so. the, you know, there's what's weird about the West Coast thing to me is that, at least for me, there's such a difference between a ten o'clock start and a ten thirty. Like a ten thirty yes. is so late, and mm-hmm. you're just like, man, like it's only the second period, and it's like twelve fifteen a.m. and you're like, what is going on? Like at least with a ten o'clock start, like the first is over at a reasonable hour, and if you know, if you want to like watch the second and third in bed, you can kind of get yourself ready for bed and into bed at a decent hour and watch the end of the game. But it's like a 1030 start is just, it seems so much later, even though it's not. So um, that's my weird, uh, my weird take on West coast hockey. No, look, I, we'll be watching. We'll be talking about it. Um, and yeah, good to see the Rangers get back on track. Great to have Capo Caco back. Um, want to thank you all for listening. Uh, as a reminder, we are available on Apple and Spotify, but also now on YouTube. JL has set up a YouTube channel. We're hoping to do some exciting things, you know, maybe potentially with video a little bit later this season. So stay tuned for that. Yes, and, uh, working on it. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. No, we'll have more for everybody on that in a, in a little bit here. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you next week.